is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. And here we go on a Wednesday. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. It's good to have you in here on a Wednesday. We are absolutely loaded today. We have, I I would say, this is going to be one of the best shows that we've ever done. Uh, Winners and losers coming up in about an hour. Barrington Grant comes on for the most well-rounded, best sports conversation that you're going to hear in sports radio. Uh, Is he worth it coming up at the end of the show? We are absolutely packed today. So I think it's pretty self-explanatory. We begin this morning with sunshine in New York. The wait is over. It's done. The Yankees have signed Garrett Cole to a nine-year, $324 million contract. That's $36 million per year. It's the largest contract for a pitcher in Major League history as far as both total dollars and average annual value. I'm not kidding. The entire state of New York, with the exception of the less valuable portion, is exploding. New York has new life today. And that's where I'm going to take this. The Yankees will win the World Series next year. And it isn't because of the talent they brought in with Garrett Cole. Every single player in that Yankees clubhouse will be playing with brand new motivation. I talk all the time about culture and how the feeling in the room is. The LA Chargers are an example. They would improve drastically with a new coach, new quarterback, and a new running back. The the new quarterback starts torching the defense in practice, and the new running back starts making people miss in the open field. But it suddenly makes the veteran guys have confidence. They all go, (laughs) look at these kids. Holy crow, these guys got something. And with that, the whole team then has something. Yankees players are going to shower Garrett Cole on the first day of spring training. They're going to watch him from afar and be just amazed by how much better he's going to make them. He's going to be popping 100 into Gary Sanchez's glove every day, and everybody's going to be like, that's, that's it right there. It instills new confidence in the organization from top to bottom. Okay, sometimes the way it affects your club internally is more important than the talent. The talent is just the cherry on top. But it isn't just a cherry. It's the best cherry in the world. We know what Garrett Cole will bring to the Yankees on the mound. But what he brings this organization goes far beyond that. This will resonate with the players like nothing else. It will. Seriously, imagine being a player for the Yankees this morning. Imagine it. You know that you had one big need to fill, starting pitching. Not even so much as starting pitching, 
but an ace. You needed that guy, right? Not, you needed an ace that you could feel confident was going to get you a win every time he set foot on the field. Every single time. And now you have it. How much more confident do you feel in your team today? How much more do you love your front office? How many teammates did you text when you found out? The culture is shifting in New York at an alarming rate, and it's incredible for them. I also want to bring this up because there is the argument that it's a massive contract, and down the line, the Yankees are going to regret this. That is a more than fair argument. More than fair. You're not wrong. By the time the 6th, 7th, 8th year come along, uh, comes along, he will be half as good as he is in the first three years of the deal. D- not disputable. Uh, disputable. It happens with virtually every player, especially pitchers. But in sports, you have to evaluate where you are and what's important to you. This is where organizational awareness comes in. The Yankees know who they are and where they are. They can make this move because they understand that they can take this risk. They'll take a couple of bad years from Cole at the tail end if they can get a couple of great ones in the beginning. It's an even trade-off. This is what this would have been I'll, I'll enlighten you on this. This would have been a much more detrimental contract for the Angels than the Yankees. Okay, the Angels, even with Garrett Cole, would have been talking about how they were possibly a playoff team. Not necessarily a bona fide World Series contender. Okay, they've struggled to successfully build around Mike Trout for a while Okay, they haven't had a great farm system. Most of the signings they've made haven't worked out. The Angels have just run into some bad luck. They spent huge money on Josh Hamilton. Didn't work out. Huge money on Albert Pujols. For the most part, he's still there, but they, they didn't get MVP caliber Albert Pujols pretty much ever. They, they spent big money on C.J. Wilson. D- didn't really work out. The Angels were never afraid to spend money, but they've always regretted it at the end because they they couldn't bring the franchise fully around to where they were competing for championships even though they had the best player in the world in Mike Trout. They just gave Mike Trout a 400 plus million dollar extension for 12 years. They're not afraid to spend money. They're not afraid to spend. Artie Moreno is not afraid to spend money. Okay, but they've run into some bad luck. That's baseball. But they would have been in a position to regret this deal more than the Yankees. The Yankees had one hole, and Garrett Cole filled it perfectly. Ask yourself, would you take Garrett Cole if you were going to get three great years out of him, but also three not-so-great years at the back end? I would. With those six years result in a championship? Th- maybe. They, then that's I think that's that's the that's that's where right. you're happy with right there. If right. Those, if if you if you get three if you get three or four Cy Young uh, Cy Young years Cy Young caliber years out of Garrett Cole and a couple of you know eh, or maybe he's slowing down kind of years, but you get a title or two, you take it, right? Because right. that's that's why you brought him here. Right. Sure. Did you overpay? Probably. 
But you needed an ace. You needed your guy. You needed someone who you can lock down and compete with the with these top tier playoff teams that you have been able to beat right. in recent years. And you finally got it. Did you overpay? Probably. But it's it will be yeah, worth more than likely be, you did. But, but it will be worth it if if it results in a championship. Right. Or but two. It, it all depends on what's important to you. Okay. What's your philosophy? Are you comfortable going all in, or do you want to remain conservative? I'll take the former. I would rather go all in. I've always said that being aggressive in sports usually works out. It works out overwhelmingly in baseball. The past number of World Series champions have all made huge splash moves to get them over the top, right? Astros traded for Verlander. The Cubs traded for Araldis Chapman. Like, the, the Royals traded for Johnny Cueto. Like, Past World Series champions, they make these huge moves. The Nationals overpaid for Patrick Corbin, and it worked out. I, I mean, listen, these guys, you can make the moves, and most of the time it works out. This was the move for the Yankees that will change everything. This is without a doubt an incredible signing for the Yankees uh, this morning, and even if it isn't six years from now, I'll be okay with it. Tip of the cap to Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner for getting the deal done. The Yankees will go into next season with a rotation consisting of Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, James Paxton, and Masahiro Tanaka. Those guys are in, with the fifth starter being either Domingo Herman or Jordan Montgomery or or Davey Garcia or whoever, because they're looking to trade Jay Happ. And you but and you, you read off the rest of those names, Sevi and Tanaka. Getting cold takes the pressure off those guys to go out in a game like a game one of a World Series, game one of an LCS, and pitch like an ace. Right. Now they can they can kind of just relax and pitch. They don't have to. They don't have to go out there and try to be an ace. They can just go out there and pitch because they have a guy. They have a guy in front of them named in Garrett Cole. Right, but they already have an incredible playoff rotation with a great lineup and a great bullpen. This is dangerous. The culture in New York changed this morning, and the energy alone will lift the Yankees to another level. And just for a pun's sake, I think the Yankees were the only. People, oh, I, I shouldn't say that. The Yankees are the only people in the world that are happy with getting coal for Christmas. Okay, I'm, okay, I'm done. <laughs> All right, um, but I do want to shift to this because uh, the Garrett Cole news is obviously eating up the morning. Uh, but I do want to begin with that. Uh, uh, I do want to get into this too because this story has kind of been circling around and. The big thing is, is that, oh, the Patriots, they got caught cheating again. Okay. Here's my deal with this. I am not interested in telling you whether or not the Patriots actually cheated or not. Okay. I'd prefer to give New England the benefit of the doubt. I would. And the reason being is because I, my entire life, I have, I, I have, optimistically looked at people, maybe to my own fault, maybe I'm naive for it, but, okay, like Gary Brown was telling us yesterday, that the NFL's not worried about player safety, they're worried about not getting sued. I said, okay, listen, I, I, can, I can get that, and he obviously has more inside information than I do, but 
I would like to at least believe that the NFL does care at least a little bit about their players. Okay, and that might be to my own fault. That might be to my own naivety. I'm not saying that it isn't, but I'd like to believe that. So I'm going to be on the boat of, I really don't think that the Patriots were cheating. But if this is the case to where they sent a camera crew to Cincinnati and started filming for a do-your-job documentary, which is what it points out to be, and Bill Belichick saying up and down, I have literally no knowledge of this. This is a completely separate entity. I have no idea what it is. The NFL now has like eight minutes of tape of it. But here's my deal. If this is actually a thing, my response to the New England Patriots is, how dumb can you be? Seriously, how dumb are you? Okay, I was saying this before. When you do something originally, you gain a reputation for that certain thing. So, in essence, if I robbed a bank and I spent my time in prison, I got out of the bank and I went to another bank again just to simply make a deposit or make a withdrawal or set up an account or something along those lines. The first thing that most people would expect from me is I'm going to rob it again. Okay. If you're a burglar, you have the reputation for a burglar the rest of your life. If you murder somebody or you rape somebody more than likely the mo- the first thing that's going to come into somebody's head is I, I, I better leave the room. I can't, this, is, this is a dangerous guy. That's the reputation you put on yourself. I, I, it makes no sense for me to do that, right? I, I mean, here's my deal. The Patriots knowing that they have a reputation of cheating, filming practices, deflating footballs, finding ways to win at all costs, and that literally means win at all costs, even if it means pushing the envelope and bending the rules a little bit. What in your right mind, whose decision was it in your organization to say, hey, we're going to go to Cincinnati, who, by the way, we're playing this week with a camera crew to film something for Do Your Job. That's a great idea. You've got to be kidding me. You can't possibly... Listen, I would like to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're not cheating. But you're making it really hard for people to believe you simply because... What are we supposed to believe? You've done it once before. Our first inclination is not supposed to be, well, uh... They're, 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 come on, this is, we're overdragging this. We might be overdragging this, but why would you put yourself in a position to be that? To be accused of something that's like that? It makes absolutely no sense to me, okay? I would never, absolutely never rob a bank. But if I did, I went to jail, people know my face, and I go into a bank again, I'm not expecting for the entire environment to feel comfortable. Okay, the Patriots can't pretend like, uh, listen, we don't understand where this is coming from. Of course you do. 
You got caught doing it the first time. And now when you get caught do- sending a camera crew somewhere else, even if it is justified, you can't act surprised that people are a little concerned. I, I Look, I would be. And I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Most people aren't, but I am. The thing that I bash you for is not for the thought process that you are cheating. I don't... I, I, I'd like to believe that you're not cheating. But... Is it possible for me to say, uh, yeah, that that decision-making process was not well uh, thought out? Oh, and it just so happens to be in a year where you're kind of struggling offensively. and I mean, people are going to say, oh, come on, you really think that they're cheating to beat Cincinnati? No, that's not part of this. My rift is, what are you doing? Did you really think it was a smart idea to send a camera crew to Cincinnati and not get... You didn't think that you were going to get at least questioned about it? Come on. Come on. I talk about organizational awareness all the time. This is the first time in a while where I felt that New England just didn't know who they were. Okay? They're a successful franchise. I'm not saying that cheating got them six Super Bowls in the past 15 years. But what I am telling you is that if you're going to make a decision like this, you can't expect backlash. This is a lack of organizational awareness from the New England Patriots. It is. It is nothing more than just a lapse in judgment. Whether you think they're cheating or not, this is just a lapse in judgment by the New England Patriots. Okay. Plenty of stuff to go over today. Uh, Coming up next... David Fisdale getting fired by the New York Knicks is something that, well, we can expect. I'll tell you if they made the right decision. That's coming up next. The Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike Evan here on a uh, Wednesday. It's a Wii Sports Wednesday. It's probably my favorite Wii Sports Wednesday of all time. Uh, I'm a very happy guy today, Evan. I'm a very happy guy. I had a very hard time sleeping last night because I was so wired up about Garrett Cole. You went to the gym I yesterday? Just, I went to the gym yesterday. It was before I found out. But I remember I heard something from Jeff Passan uh, while I was at the gym. And this is the first time we're going to the gym in years. So I'm sore like crazy. Um, but I listened to something on my phone. And Jeff Passan said, I will never believe everything that I hear in this lobby. But everyone, and I mean Everyone believes at these winter meetings that Garrett Cole will be a New York Yankee. Everybody believed that, and it ended up being true. So, a huge, huge signing. I, I, I am, I am ecstatic today. It, it's but the, it's the ace. They're, it's the ace they're looking for. Pretty much, it's the ace. The Cashman had to get him, get his guy after after. Years and years of trying and not and moves not working. Yeah, out. Yeah, you or, couldn't let this guy you, slip yeah, through the cracks. You couldn't let him you get could. away, and especially either to go to the Angels, which against well, again, the Angels maybe not be right for a championship, but that's still in the American League. Yeah, and, and there really was no hometown well, bias. It really well, didn't play a part with Garrett Cole at no, all. No, he he had it. Well, I I remember seeing a text from John Heyman that said he had a friend that said pretty much if you know 
your heart will always be in Orange County, but you have a chance to go win a championship here. Do what you got to do. You know, Correct. Pretty, pretty much what he said. You have a chance to win a title here. Do what you got to do. Right, exactly. So everybody, I think, in New York is pretty fired up about this. Um, and, again, uh, this was the ace that they absolutely needed. I am 100% in on this. Uh, I know that it's a lot of money. Nine years, 324. That is, that's a lot of money, not even just for a pitcher. That's a lot of money for everybody. But this was a move that the Yankees had to make. It was a move that they absolutely had to make without a, uh, without a doubt. They did uh, what they absolutely had to do. But I want to kind of get into this. So one of the things I love about sports and doing sports talk radio is that some teams are predictable. You know, you can, you can get an idea of what teams will do based on their history or their organizational stability or, or whatever. And it's always fun because dysfunctional organizations are always fun to cover. <laughs> they really are. They, they make for good humor. They're good to poke fun at. You can rip them. It's, it's great. I, I love it. So I live on the East Coast in New York, and I get to see this firsthand. The Knicks fired their coach, David Fisdale, last week after starting the season 4-18 as a coach. Honestly, my first thought was, well, who cares? <laughs> but the more I thought about it, the more I found this interesting. Now, there's multiple layers to this story that I think are pretty laughable. The first is that the Knicks clearly aren't aware of who they are and where they are. Rumors were circling weeks ago that Steve Mills and Scott Perry were heavily contemplating firing David Fisdale because they thought the team should be better. That's funny. Isn't your best player Marcus Morris? Didn't he come off the bench in Boston? Oh, but we have Julius Randle. Oh, yes. Well, he's averaging 17 and 8 and turning the ball over three and a half times per game. But what about R.J. Barrett? Now, I like R.J., and I think he's going to be a really nice player in this league, but he's averaging 14 points a game and shooting 39% from the field. Not good. Stable organizations are always aware of what they have and what they should expect from it. The Knicks are not a playoff team. They're not. Not even close. And that's your coach's fault? All dysfunctional franchises have multiple things in common. They think they're bigger than they are. They put unrealistic expectations on themselves. They're at best average on draft day. And they have a sensitive trigger finger when it comes to firing coaches. This describes the Knicks to a T. They're not poorly coached. They're just bad. That's what they are. They're bad. The roster consists of Morris, Randall, Barrett, Frank Nilakina, Alfred Payton, Bobby Portis, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, Dennis Smith Jr., Taj Gibson, Kadeem Allen, Damian Dotson, Wayne Ellington, Alonzo Trier, and Ignis Brasdikas. What I see are a lot of young, underdeveloped kids and a bunch of throwaway players from other teams that they didn't want. That team is supposed to be at least borderline playoffs? Give me a break. Give me a break. The second layer to this is that the Knicks butchered the process of firing him. You couldn't even fire the guy right. According to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, David Fisdale led Knicks practice that morning. Guys, come on. 
Steve Mills and Scott Perry have been around the NBA for a long time. When has this ever happened? What stable organizations do this? This is embarrassing for the Knicks. Come on now. This is something I've never understood. If you've ever played sports or you've either taken a lesson or you've just heard it from one of your coaches or whatever, you know one thing, uh, one of the things they'll tell you is to do it like the pros, right? That's what they do it like the pros do. You obviously want to have your own touch on things, but a way to improve is to watch how the pros do it and mimic it yourself to a certain extent. That's Do it the way the pros do. Why don't professional organizations do that? If you see that winning teams that have a track record of success aren't firing their coaches early in the year after they just led your team's practice that morning, then why would you do it? Pride? I always say this. Quit trying to outsmart the room. Success in professional sports doesn't require being smarter than everyone else. It requires doing what everybody does better than them. Doing your job better than everybody else. Okay, I find it so hard to believe that the Knicks can look at this roster and say, we can compete, look at this roster. They have one of the worst rosters in the NBA. Don't the Knicks have NBA scouts and talent evaluators? Ask them. If they're telling you that this team should be better than what they are, then you fired the wrong guy. This is not a David Fisdale problem. This is a front office problem. They muffed this. Seriously, this roster is filled with lower 20-somethings. They might, listen, they might have talent, but they're barely NBA players yet. They are. They're barely NBA players. Now you're giving your young guys another coach that they have to fit into. That stunts growth almost every time unless it's done properly. This is what dysfunctional organizations do. Also, think about this. Who would want the Knicks job now? You get humiliated. The the majority of the world right now is sympathizing with David Fisdale. They're like, thank God he's out of that mess. <laughs> now he can go have some peace of mind. Jesus. Get, him, get some fresh air. Get this guy some water. This is a horrible look for the Knicks. Horrible. Another, and pretty, quite frankly, another horrible look to kind of stack onto the pile of horrible looks that they, they already have. Seriously, what functional organizations do this? What stable organizations do stuff like this? D- give me a break. I- I'm, I- I'm like, I- I'm beyond this. All right, uh, Evan, we have somebody on the phone. Ken on the line. Ken, how you doing, buddy? Ken, how are you? Ken, do we have you? Kenny? Oh, Ken, three, two, two, one. All right. Goodbye, Ken. Goodbye, Ken. All right. So here we go. Let's go to the news with our interim Big J journalist, Evan Mazza, here on a Wii Sports Wednesday. All right. So the New York Yankees obviously signed Garrett Cole yesterday. Seven years. Uh, sorry, nine years. $324 million. Actually, it's about the estimation of where we did. Uh, what are the chances? So simply, simply put, is he, the, is he the missing piece to the Yankees championship puzzle? 
I think he is, personally. I, I think I think he is. I think Garrett Cole is exactly the kind of guy and exactly the kind of uh, pitcher and exactly the kind of talent that they need to win a title. I Yeah, I, I think so, too. And again, like, it, this is one of those things where Garrett Cole, like, you knew the Yankees going into the offseason had one had one little need, right? They needed to get that big-time ace. They needed it. And they got it. They filled that hole. And like I said, the more important part to this, I actually don't think is the fact that they got the ace. I think the more important part to this is now the confidence in the room gets better because every single one of your players knew that you had that hole, and now that you filled it. Everybody has new motivation next year. I'm telling you, I think the Yankees are going to win the World Series next year just because of that. I really do. They're going to win the World Series next year because there's newfound confidence in the building. Garrett Cole is obviously going to give them great, uh, you know, great pitching for a number of years. But the feeling in the building is definitely going is definitely better today. It's better this morning. I mean, sir. You think Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres and, and whoever else, you think all of them are texting each other this morning? We, we got Garrett Cole. Like, everybody feels better about themselves in the Yankee organization today. Y'all saw them tweeting yesterday. Judge and Glaber Torres all tweeting their excitement. They're, they're, they, know, they know what this means. Right. They, know what get it, they know what getting Garrett Cole means for this team and for the right. franchise and for, the, for their run to a championship that they've been missing for the last couple of years Right, now. exactly. So, all right, what's next? Because, I listen, I could talk Garrett Cole all day, but <laughs> holy crap. Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole, and more Garrett Cole. And more Garrett Cole. Uh, so, another news yesterday, actually, more relatively Yankee news. Didi Gregorius signing a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. He reunites, yeah. with, Joe, he reunites with Joe Girardi. And uh, this, will, this actually caused uh, an interesting development because either the Yankees will sign Didi – the Yankees – I'm sorry, the Phillies signed Didi Gregorius – so where does that leave Gene Segura? Now, Didi's a Philadelphia, Didi's a Joe Girardi guy. He's a guy Girardi obviously likes a lot. Everything I saw yesterday had Gene Segura playing second base. Does he get tra- does he get tra- ma- play second base? But that's the thing is, I, if I'm not mistaken, and, and I, listen, I could be wrong on this, but isn't don't the Phillies still have Cesar Hernandez? Cesar Hernandez is a good player. Like I thought, I thought if they still have Cesar Hernandez, then what are they going to do with him? I'd probably want to trade Segura rather than trade Cesar Hernandez. It just fits better. Instead of forcing Segura to try to learn how to play second base, I would try to get something for Segura. I I don't know. I, I wouldn't... You know what I mean? Like, I, I think... Don't the Phillies still have him? No, they still have him. On the, I think they still have him on the roster. Is he, is he a free agent? No, 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 no. Let me see. But no, I, yeah, I will not, say they non tendered him. They non tendered him. Okay, so he is a free agent then. Yeah. He is a free agent. So I mean, okay. So then Gene Segura probably does play second base. That could that could work because Didi can't play third or play second. Didi has to play short. So uh, I will say this though. I I am. I, listen, I I know that we got Garrett Cole yesterday, and I am beyond happy about that. But I was really sad to see Didi Gregorius go. And it was it was really one of those things where it was expected. Like, I expected Didi to sign elsewhere. I knew they weren't going to want to pay him. You know, for $14, 15000000 million, I don't think the Yankees wanted to do it. You know, they, they did not offer Didi the qualifying offer because they were afraid that he was going to take it. So, 
my thing is, is that, like, I said this yesterday on Twitter, Didi Gregorius, like, the Yankees didn't need Didi Gregorius much anymore. Glaber Torres is going to play short, and DJ LeMahieu is going to play second. I'm assuming LeMahieu is going to get extended by the Yankees after this year. But, like, Didi Gregorius represented what the Yankees were about. Like, he was such a good representative of what being a New York Yankee meant. You know what I mean? Passion, pride, a lot, you know, uh, winning, effort, you know, just great character. Didi Gregorius was a great character guy. He was a great locker room guy. Everybody loved him. I mean, and you got to keep this in mind. Didi Gregorius came in and started at shortstop the day after Derek Jeter retired. Like, he's the guy that filled in for Derek Jeter. That is not not And he did it unbelievably, way better than anybody expected. Because I remember when we traded for DD, because uh, Shane Green was in that trade when we used to have Shane Green. And, uh, I mean, it was a three-way deal with Arizona, Detroit, and the Yankees. And the Yankees brought in DD Gregorius with the full purpose of making him their starting shortstop. I remember watching Didi play in Arizona when I went to go visit family. Right. I saw him play at Chase Field. He wasn't nearly the player he was when they got him. And I was thinking to myself, like, they expect this kid to play shortstop after Jeter, and he exceeded everybody's expectations. He he hit for power. He got on base. I mean, I was... I'm like, this is a guy that's... Like, I thought he was going to be a franchise player for a long time. He was stellar defensively. Like, I, I really, I, as much as I hate to say it, like, I, I would have really liked to see the Yankees bring him back because I liked him so much. I expected it, but I liked him so much. I really, I, I was, I, I got to be honest. Like, I know we got Garrett Cole yesterday, but I was pretty heartbroken that he's gone. I mean, you can't, you can't. That's that's one he of the hardest. He felt like a Yankee, right? I mean, he, also he, a lot of clutch, he also had a lot of clutch home runs for you, a lot of clutch uh, plays for you. For I'm gonna miss team. those bat flips, man! <laughs> Holy crow! I mean, he brought and Didi brought just a swagger to to New York that was just different. I, I I'm I'm actually pretty I, like it, I don't want to say broken up, but I am I am pretty upset about it. There I was, am. There's a lot of things to follow up. There's a lot of guys who you who you watch in sports. And it's like, wow, how do you follow it up? Like. Andrew Luck following up Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers following up Brett Favre, whoever quarterbacks the New, the New England Patriots are going to say, oh, who's going to follow up him? Didi Gregorius had an extremely hard thing to do in following up Derek Jeter. And, you know, that for the first year, I remember the, fir- I remember the first year or so, everyone was just piling on Didi Gregorius. He stinks, he's terrible, that, that horrible move, all that stuff. And Didi just settled in and just played. He just settled in and played, and I think that's what made Didi Gregorius a great, a, a great player, a well-respected player, a leader in the locker room, and someone the Yankees, yeah, I do think are going to miss in the locker room wise. Yeah, I'm sure you're, yeah, you're ecstatic you got Garrett Cole, uh, but at the same time, yeah, it, it's it's a bad, it's a it stinks to lose Didi Gregorius. It, it hurts. A very, a very good locker room guy. This one stings. Hitter. It stings. It really does. I am gonna, and it's a one-year contract for Philadelphia, so the possibility for Didi to maybe become a Yankee again in years coming is not totally out of the window. I actually think that they would entertain bringing him back. 
uh, if the price was right. But I, I think I think the Yankees wanted to bring him back, but they were only going to be able to like we can only pay you like eight million bucks or nine million bucks because we're trying to make these other moves. I think he was just a casualty of what the Yankees wanted to do going forward. And it really does stink because Didi Gregorius was a really good player and just a great Yankee overall. I'm really upset about it. All right, we need to stop talking about this, so move on. Stop it. I can't take it. So with Garrett Cole now, with Garrett Cole now signed and sealed with the Yankees, Steven Strasburg now signed and sealed with the Philadelphia Phillies, the pitching market Strasburg now Strasburg with the Nationals. What I say? You said you said Didi with I think you said Didi with Washington and wow. Strasburg meant, with the Phillies. I meant Strasburg to the Nationals. I I'm I'm, I'm Strasburg back to the Nationals. I'm, Didi I'm, with the I'm, Phillies. I'm out today. I'm totally just I'm out. Garrett I'm out. Cole to the Yankees, I'm right? I'm out. For all I know, I'm going to say Garrett Cole signed with the Mets. I'm out. All right. So, but anyway, the attention of pitching moves on to now Madison Bumgarner. The Dodgers are heavily pursuing him, which is kind of surprising considering they're, they're those two's past together, the Dodgers and the Giant, uh, the Dodgers and Bumgarner. Kind of surprising considering their their history. Uh, the Minnesota Twins are also heavy on Bumgarner, and it seems like according to John Heyman, he's going to surpass the $100 million, or at least get to $100 million that they're looking for. I'm very – see, I, the Dodgers, I think, have to be in on either Madison Gump, Bumgarner or in the business of bringing back Ryu. Like, I, th- I think it just makes sense. Ryu was really good for the Dodgers last year, and – I think the reason Mad Bum fits so well is because Clayton Kershaw, as great as he is, has had his struggles in the playoffs. Madison Bumgarner had one of the most impressive playoff performances I've ever seen out of a pitcher in Major League history. So, I mean, bringing in Madison Bumgarner, I think is, like, I think that would fit really well. He gets to stay on the West Coast. He still gets to hit. You know, like I, I think it actually could fit well with, with Mad Bum and the and the Dodgers, but the Dodgers have to be in on either one of those two pitchers, whether it's Bumgarner or Hyunjin Ryu. They got to bring one of those guys back because if not, like you're dealing with, Ker- you have Kershaw, you have Bueller. I, I don't know whether or not you're going to have Rich Hill or not. You know, you probably move Maeda back to the rotation, which again, it's not a bad rotation. But you're kind of reaching. And then you got Dustin May, who's a young guy. I feel like you got to spend the money and get that guy into your rotation. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is something they got to do. And you tell me. I, this, I feel like this is something they got to do. They got to get another arm in there. The Dodgers? Yeah. yeah. No, they do. They do. Minnesota, I'm very, I want to see. I would like to see Minnesota get him. I think, I think he'd be a nice acquisition for the Twins. Just to get a guy with. I thought the Twins were going to get Wheeler, and I was going to, and that would have. I think that would have put them much higher in the AL Central. You get, but you get a guy like you get a guy like Bumgarner who has who has experience. He's been he's been there, done that. Minnesota's had all these years of playoff failures. You get someone who's been there. I think he'd be a great get for Minnesota. But the Dodgers, it makes total sense. You know, Clay, Clay yeah. Kershaw paired up really well with Zach Greinke. He paired up, you know, Hyunjin Ryu. Who knows? We'll have. Who knows? We're going to see what happens with him. Uh, but he paired up really well with him. Mad Bum would be, I think, would be a great act. Would be, would be a great acquisition for the Dodgers because, again, he makes a great one too with with, Bum, with Kershaw, and you take a guy away from the Giants. Now, again, can they? Can they? Right. Well, can, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that matters. I'm the, just the, saying. The Giants are not. The Giants are not going to be saying. competing for a while. I'm just saying. 
Like I'm they just, are, they are not. I, they traded for Zach Cozart yesterday. <laughs> like they just, they, they don't have anything. They really don't. But the, the Giants th- are in trouble. They got rid of Joe Panic. Like Ken they're, they're just, they're in trouble. I want to get your opinion on this one. Ken Rosenthal actually tweeted this out the, this morning. I thought it was interesting. Instead of signing Madbum, you sign Rendon and Hunter and Ryu back for the Dodger. You know. Again, like that, I don't hate that, but my issue with that is what are you going to do with Justin Turner? Like, right. if you bring in Rendon, you have to unload Justin Turner. He's, he no, tra- he's probably well, trying you're, to. You're paying Justin Turner a good amount of money, but you're all, like, he also has nowhere to play, right? You have right. Seeger, you have Lux, you have Chris Taylor, you've got Muncie playing first base. Like, it, you don't have any room for. You don't have any room for Justin Turner to play, so if you bring in Rendon, yeah, it's an upgrade, but you got to figure out something to do with Justin Turner. So, and he is tradable. He does not have a bad contract, but you got to figure something like that out. And he's a real good player. Turner's a a real good player. He's a real good player. You're right. But listen, if I were the Dodgers, I'd be way more focused on pitching right now than, than Anthony Rendon. I really would be. Like, I'd be in negotiations with Rendon, but I would really try to get Ryu back or uh, get Mad Bum or somebody along those lines. Even Listen, even if you had to resort to getting somebody like Dallas Keuchel, then... I'm th- curious to see where Keuchel goes because there's a lot of teams. You know where like, I think why? Keuchel could go? Where? I think he could go back to Houston. I could, I the Astros need pitching That'd be my pick. like nobody's business. That'd be my they pick. Go into the, they go into next year with Verlander and Granke and that's it. That's all they've got. Yeah. Verlander and Greinke are their only two pitchers. They've got to get more. That'd be my pick. Unless they were, unless they were interested in bringing in, um, like, in of uh, extending like Josh James to the rotation and calling up Forrest Whitley, and I mean, you're just taking a lot of chances. Right. So, all right, we'll see. But that's the news with our interim Big J journalist Evan Mazza here on a Wednesday. All right, uh, coming up next, I do this every single Wednesday. I've got winners and losers. There's one player on the loser list that I think has to be pointed out. That's coming up next. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents The, 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 the Haystack Show Yo. with Mike Guido. Hour number two, here we go. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. It is so good to have you in here on a Wednesday, absolutely loaded Wednesday, Barrington Grant uh, in about 20 minutes. But I do want to begin hour two with this. We do this every single Wednesday. Winners and losers of week 14, there are five of each. Uh, Evan, here we go. All right, so my first winner, and I'm pretty sure, Evan, you could probably agree with this too, the Tennessee Titans, they are on a roll right now. Absolute roll. Absolute roll. I mean, can can we admit today that the Titans are for real? They are. Think about, think about this. Seven games where Ryan Tannehill has started at quarterback for Tennessee. They're 6-1. and one. They're all, The Titans are looking at extending him and making him their franchise quarterback. I mean, Tannehill's earned it. 
The, the Titans right now are in prime position to possibly even win the division. They, they might make the playoffs. I mean, Tennessee right now, they have a playoff defense. They have a playoff running game. They can control the clock. Ryan Tannehill's played great football. I mean, right, here's the thing. Nine games, seven starts. Here's Ryan Tannehill. He's 6-1. He's completing 73.5% of his passes. He's thrown for almost 2,000 yards, 15 touchdowns, and five picks. Ryan Tannehill's having a great year. He's having a great year as their starting quarterback. Could you imagine if he had been starting all year where Tennessee would be today? Right now, the Titans, they're my first winner. My first loser. On the other end of that coin, the Houston Texans. This was a bad one. They, they, They could not lose this game, let alone get blown out. They got blown out by Denver with a rookie quarterback that drew Locke made that Houston defense look like children. And I think, listen, I think Denver's got, uh, I think Denver has might have their next quarterback, but Houston today now falling to 8-5. and five, They're now tied for the lead in the division. That Listen, I, I still like Houston. I think that they probably are still going to win the division, but this was a big step back. Did you go into Tennessee this week, and that could very well decide the division. Two of the next three games are going to be Texans and Titans, those are those games are going to decide the division. You got Houston's got uh, t- at Tennessee, then they're on the road against Tampa Bay, and then they go back home to Houston to play Tennessee again. The, Houston didn't want to be in this position. I thought they were the heavy favorite, but right now today, I don't know how much how confident I feel in Houston. They fell out of my top ten uh, as far as NFL teams go yesterday. D- Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans—they're losers today. They're my first loser. Second winner. Here we go with this. How about freaking Denver? The Denver Broncos are like new people today. This is like a brand new team. Drew Locke has given this team new life. He's 2-0 in his first two starts. He's completing 73% of his throws. He has a quarterback rating of a of 111 and a half. He's thrown five touchdowns and two picks. He's running the ball a little bit. I mean, listen, seriously, going into Houston and blowing out the Texans is not easy. And Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos did it. Listen, I, I love the way that they're, I, I love the direction of this team. I think they got quarterback right. They run the ball well. Phillip Lindsey, Royce Freeman, guys like that. They, they run the football incredibly well. I think they've got a really talented wide receiver in Cortland Sutton, their rookie Noah Fant at tight end, looks like he's going to be a stud, and he's going to gel with Drew Locke like that. I mean, I'm telling you right now, the the Denver Broncos have direction today. They're not going to make the playoffs, but right now, Drew Locke and those Denver Broncos have new life. Drew Locke, Denver Broncos, they're my second winner. Second loser. Uh, I'm not sure we them boys anymore. The Dallas Cowboys are huge losers this week. Six and seven, tied for the division lead with Philadelphia. Dak Prescott has not played well in the past couple of uh, number of weeks. The past three weeks have been really tough for Dallas. They've lost four out of the last five. I get it, but uh, listen, I, I am amazed by how much talent this roster has. D- coaching is the big issue here. Listen, 
As far as making the playoffs, I'm really not sure they're going to make the playoffs anymore. I like Philadelphia to win the division. They're at home in Jerry World today against the Rams. I think they lose that game, and they're going to fall out of the division. I think they lose the next two games. They lose to the Rams uh, in Dallas, and then they lose to Philadelphia in Philadelphia. They might win. The, they might win Week 17 against Washington, but I mean. Listen, if you lose five straight games and fall out of playoff contention after most people thought that you were going to be one of the best teams in the NFC, I mean, the Cowboys are the definition of losers today. They really are. Right now, the Dallas Cowboys, with all that talent and the lack of coaching, they're going to fall out of the playoff race. They're losers today. Third winner. What a win for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, 48-46. to game-winning field goal, closing it out in the Superdome in New Orleans. I mean, they gave us the game of the year. This game was wildly entertaining. I, seriously, Jimmy Garoppolo actually played very well. 26-35 for 349, four touchdowns, and he threw an interception. Listen, schematically, the 49ers are one of the best, if not the best team in the NFL. I think they're claiming the spot as the best team in the NFC. Listen, beating New Orleans in New Orleans is not easy. Drew Brees was healthy. Everybody was healthy. It was a hard-fought game, and you're proving to people you can beat teams in multiple ways, whether it's defensively low-scoring, very defense running the ball driven, or whether you can just absolutely air it out and blow somebody out. San Francisco today feels really confident in their abilities. They have the best front seven in football. They run the ball well. They have a really perfect schemed offense. They have a secondary that's playing well up, at the, uh, up to this point. The San Francisco 49ers today are big winners. Losers. How about the New England Patriots? New England. So, uh, listen, people are going to call me crazy. Say, oh, but wait, they're gonna, still going to make the playoffs. Of course they're going to make the playoffs. They're the Patriots. But, I mean, look at what they did. They've lost their last two games against legitimate NFL teams. Houston, they lost at Houston, and then they lost at home this week to Kansas City. New England needs everything to go their way in order for them to win games. Their defense needs to be able to stop people, which they really can't against uh, high-power offenses. 23-16, they took a loss to Kansas City this week. Listen, Patrick Mahomes was not special. He wasn't special. But you couldn't take advantage of that even a little bit. They couldn't move the football, and now they're over here blaming refs for their loss. This is a feeling that the Patriots have never felt before. They've never felt doubt. New England Patriots, I think, are legitimately scared this morning of where they are. New England Patriots, they're my third loser today. My fourth winner, the Philadelphia Eagles. Listen, as as much as I hate to say it, I think they're going to take control of this division. I really do. Carson Wentz, with the amount of talent that he has, is unbelievable. Uh, Listen, they're banged up. Their offensive line's banged up. Their wide receiving core is really banged up. Uh, Their defense has not been fantastic. Listen, they are not a great football team, but they're a good enough football team to win the division. Listen, all they got to do is go into Washington and win. I think they can beat Dallas at home, and then I think they they get the Giants in Week 17 at MetLife. Those are games that I think are very winnable for the Eagles. Really are. They could finish the season at 9-7. and They could win their last four games and finish the year like that. Listen, Carson Wentz and the Eagles 
as talented as they are, they are struggling, but they have control of this division today. Uh, they get into the playoffs. Anything can happen in the playoffs. They're better than Dallas up to this point, I think. D give me the Philadelphia Eagles as my fourth winner. Listen, I'm not in love with them, but I think they're in better position to succeed uh, than Dallas right now. Philadelphia is my fourth winner. My fourth loser. Tough loss here for the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints really wanted this win against San Francisco, and they were in position to do it. They failed the two-point conversion when they scored the touchdown late with just about a minute and a half to go in the game. And then San Francisco drives down the field, kicks the game-winning field goal, game over. That, listen, I'll, I'll say this. New Orleans is not a team you want to see in the playoffs. But And Drew Brees threw five touchdowns in this game. But I'll be honest, this was a game you needed to win. This was a prove-it-to-yourself game to where can you beat the teams like San Francisco? Get, listen, their three losses this year have come against the Rams on the road. They've lost to Atlanta at home and now San Francisco at home. Listen, you've got to prove to yourself that you can beat really good teams with Drew Brees at quarterback. Listen, I, I still think you're one of the two best teams in the entire NFC, but you've got to be able to prove to yourself that in that, in, in that situation, teams got to be scared of you. And San Francisco was not scared of you that day. Your defense did not play well. New Orleans right now is my fourth loser. My fifth and final winner are the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll tell you that. They are the it's the Kansas City Chiefs. The, going into Foxborough and beating New England despite New England's struggles, that's a win for you. This was a prove-it game. I think right now, where they sit right now with, uh, uh, with Kansas City, they're in good shape. Listen, they're in good shape. They're nine and four. This is a team that can play. They really can. They can win football games. They don't run the football really well, and I don't love their defense, but they are going to outscore you no matter what. They really are. Patrick Mahomes is special at quarterback. Everybody knows that. And if you can go into New England and beat New England even when you play an ugly game, what don't you have to feel good about? I, I, seriously, Kansas City today should feel incredible about themselves. They should feel incredible about their opportunities in the AFC. That I think they're a top-five team in the NFL today. I do. But listen, I, I really do think Kansas City's a top-five team in the NFL after I kind of fell off on them a little bit. They're proving me wrong in the past uh, in the past couple of weeks. They've got three straight wins against the Chargers, the, uh, the Raiders, uh, and now New England. I, I, I'm in on them. I'm in Kansas. I'm in on Kansas City. They're my fifth and final winner. My fifth and final loser. I cannot believe how much sympathy I have for this guy. My fifth and final loser is Eli Manning. It really is. It's Eli Manning. This loss against Philadelphia on Monday Night Football now drops him. He now has an under 500 record on his career. He's got. Uh, he's only the second quarterback in NFL history to have an under 500 record with over 200 games played. I really feel bad for him. He's 116 and 117 today. He's going to finish his career with an under 500 record, and it is a real shame. It really is. I actually feel bad for the guy. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I cannot stand the Giants, but I've always had respect for Eli Manning. Him dropping under 500, that, that is a shame. That is a shame. And don't think that that doesn't weigh on his mind. It absolutely does. That's a shame. It really is. 
Yeah, I feel uh, Eli's definitely. A, I, I I feel bad. I do feel bad for him. Also, also I feel terrible out, for Eli. They came. They came out in the first half. They were rolling. They're up 17-3 at half. You're thinking it's a. It really that first half was really cap captivating the entire NFL world because all because it was like oh my goodness it's it's one that that you know we we always want to see that the sheriff having that one last ride in him and like at that first half it really did feel that way. Eli Manning at the Giants, and then everything unfortunately fell apart from the second half. Feel terrible out. for Eli Manning. Yeah. I really do. And he, listen, first half of that game, he was torching them, and then second half, they, Got couldn't, put, they couldn't put up any points. I, I feel awful. I yeah. really do. I, I feel awful for it. Because Eli Manning's not in a position in his career to win football games anymore. Throwing him out there is just kind of, you know, tar, you know, tarnishing his legacy now. It's, it's a shame. All right. Those are winners and losers, just to recap for you. My five winners, the Tennessee Titans, the Denver Broncos, the San Francisco 49ers, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Kansas City Chiefs. And the losers today, Houston, Dallas, New England, the New Orleans Saints, and Eli Manning. I I really do feel bad for Eli. Here in New York, I see how much he's beloved by the city. It's a shame to see him go under 500 for his career, and it's more than likely going to stay that way. Surprised you don't have the Seattle Seahawks. I was, I was looking. I was thinking you were going to get the Seahawks. I have the Seahawks as a loser because boy, that was a bad loss on Sunday. It the was, Rams. it was a bad loss. That but bad. I, like I said, Seahawks are losers today. I don't think they're a top five loser. I, I, I think that because I, I don't think Seattle's season is in jeopardy. Like it was a loss. It was a loss they shouldn't have had. But mm-hmm. the, I don't think it was. So I don't think it was a state. So they lost. Say they lost to the Rams in Los Angeles. You can make the argument that that was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. The Rams could have easily won that football game, and they did. No, but so, to, but to, but to get they pretty they got dominated. But to get no, they to got get dominated, dominated like all that, game. And, and listen, the I will say this: the Rams recently have been picking it up a little bit. They're start the Rams are starting to figure it out. Might be a little too late for them, but they're starting to figure it out. All right. Uh, coming up next, the most well-rounded. Most interesting sports conversation in sports media. My conversation with Barrington Grant, a good buddy of mine. I'm telling we're gonna we start having him on every week, every Wednesday. Uh, that is coming up next here on the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan here on a Wednesday. Okay, listen, I get excited for this. Uh, I get excited for this segment pretty much every week. Uh, we started it last week. I thought it went incredibly well. So uh, his trial run, I think, is past. We're, I think we're, we're getting into the point where we're feeling more comfortable with him on air now. Uh, so I like to call this the most well-rounded conversation in sports media. Uh, if you, listen, if you're a baseball fan, if you're a football fan or a basketball fan, uh, this is the most interesting conversation you're going to have in sports media. The conversation with myself and my good buddy, Barrington Grant. Barry, I pray to God that we have you. Barry. Barry, do we have you? Uh-oh. Oh, boy. All right, we'll try to see if we can get this fixed. If not, then we'll have to figure out something. Um, Barry, if we don't have you, uh, we're going to try and get you back. Uh, but I guess in the meantime, let's do this, Evan. Let's go to the news with our interim Big J journalist, Evan Mazza, here on a Wednesday. Well, we'll, go, we'll start from the beginning. Garrett Cole obviously signing a deal with the New York Yankees. With the New York Yankees, a nine-year $324 million contract with the Bronx Bombers. 
the missing piece of the puzzle they've been waiting for, the guy that they, the highly touted free agent they've been waiting for, the ace they've been waiting for for a while. I, I, I agree with you a thousand. I agree with you a thousand percent on this. The New York Yankees are the World Series favorites right now. They, they, it is a. They, obviously, there's a long way to go in the offseason. There's a long way to go in terms of what happens in the offseason. Anything can happen. No one, you know, no one saw the Nationals run coming. But with Garrett Cole now in the fold, this is definitely the team to beat. Not only in the American League, but all, but in all of baseball. Quite frankly, in all of baseball, with the talent they have, starting now with now Cole being the ace that they've been looking for the lineup and now of course this bullpen that hey who knows they could get back Dylan Batances for all we know which makes the bullpen even better they're the team to be in the base they're the team to be in all base right now they are they are the, the favorites to win the World Series in 2020 uh, yeah I like I said I I think that as far as as far as that is concerned like I said I I think that as far as as much as we like to say yes they overpaid yeah they probably did but this was a move that they more than likely just they had to make it. They had to make. They couldn't let another pitcher fall through the cracks. They could. Again, the energy in the building for the Yankees is better today. This morning, every player feels rejuvenated. Every player feels better about themselves. I mean, it's just it's it's great. It's absolutely fantastic how all of this is shaping out for New York and. This was somebody that the Yankees wanted and wanted badly. So it feels good in their locker room today that the fact that they got him, it feels great in the front office. The entire Yankees organization just has this newfound motivation today. And that was really where I took this conversation is where, listen, we needed Garrett Cole and we needed Garrett Cole badly. We had one need to fill and that was the, that was the hole we filled. So everybody feels better today. I know we lost Didi Gregorius, but getting Garrett Cole, I think, is a massive upgrade that we desperately needed. Everybody feels better about this today. Sorry. And you can go out there and win those two to one ball games. You couldn't win those two to one ball games anyway. You lost those two to one ball games, one nothing, right. three to two. Now, because you didn't have an ace to match up with those with the other ace. Right. Now you do. Now if the Astros throw Justin Verlander, boom, here's Garrett Cole. If the Boston Red Sox, if they're back to contending next year, throw in Chris Sale and he bounces back, boom, we have Garrett Cole. If the Tampa Bay Rays had a big division game in the regular season or in the playoffs, throw out Blake Snell, boom, we got Garrett Cole. Right. There is no, there is no matchup problem. Indians, Cleveland Indians, if they're back next season, they throw in Corey Kluber, boom, here's here's Garrett Cole. Twins, if they get Bumgarner, boom, here's Garrett Cole. You can match up with that now. There is no more. Well, you know. If our offense can get five runs on these guys, then Sevy can go five innings, or Tanaka can go five. No, Garrett Cole can go eight. He can go seven. He could go nine if you want to. Give him the ball. He's going to go out there, and he's going to win you a game. That is just the ever-importance of having an ace on the mound like Garrett Cole. Right. All right, what's next? Well, speaking of Madison Bumgarner, again, the Dodgers and the Twins are also looking, are also, uh, uh, looking at him in terms of free agency. $100 million, it seems like he's going to get or at least surpass that range. The Twins are going to get somebody. Yeah, they are. I'm tell- Listen, I'm actually rooting for the Twins to strike big in free agency. I really am. I, I want them to get a starting pitcher so bad. I do. I really do. I, I want the I want the Twins to be able to like Minnesota, not a huge market. You know, they, they don't spend a ton of money often, but they're a team that's ready to win. I, I want to see them go big. I want to see them go big or go home. I really do. 
Yeah, I mean, they, the world for them. They're another team that they're another team that has got offense all around the all around and got guys who can hit home runs and all that right. stuff. Like they get home runs actually this year, I believe. They all they need what they're missing is pitching. What they're missing is pitching. And I think like I said, Bumgarner before gives them a playoff guy with a playoff resume, something that they really don't have on the roster right. guy who's won before in the cha- in the playoffs, won yeah. three World Series titles. You're right. He gives something like that to him. I would like to see him though on the Dodgers if that. So Minnesota would be my my best place for him to go. To go, the Dodgers would be interesting again because the Dodgers, again, a, a, another team coming off a disappointing year, another disappointing year for the Dodgers. Kershaw's another year older. You go get Bumgarner. You're putting some pressure off Kershaw. Yeah. And you're getting and again you're getting a guy in this division who's familiar with this division, familiar with the team, and it keeps you in contention. There are some questions with the Dodgers heading into next season about where they're at and where their window is right now. Getting Bumgarner could extend the window just a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So this is interesting. So the Kansas City Chiefs, now, before the game, the equipment, the Chiefs, apparently their equipment went to New Jersey. And like 35-something, yeah. like 35 players <laughs> of their equipment went to Jersey. It's the whatever. Patriots' fault. They derailed uh, the shipment. So this is interesting. So I, I actually just saw this just now. Yeah, a bigger deal than most people thought, and that's because the Chiefs, the Chiefs would have been required to forfeit to the Patriots if their equipment didn't show up before kickoff at 4.30 or 4.25. Could you Think imagine if Could you imagine if that had gone through? How much would the world have exploded? No, oh, of course it happens to the Patriots. I would have felt the same way. Of course it happens to the Patriots. Of all teams that it could have happened to, I don't, of course it happens to New England. It would have been such a bizarre thing to happen if, yes, instead of maybe postponing. They had to rush the equipment there. They had to. Yeah, instead of maybe, I don't know, postponing the game to like Monday or something. Maybe yeah. Maybe like a doubleheader Monday night. Monday Insane. Night, Monday night. No, they would have had to forfeit the game off equipment. That, that That's just That's crazy. That's so. That's well, yeah, they crazy. couldn't postpone the game. But the, fans well, have bought tickets. No, but well, they could have like they could have given them refund or whatever, given them tickets to the game tomorrow, or whatever. I mean, it's it's been done before. I remember it's been done before. Obviously, I think a couple of years ago, right? With that, Minnesota, right when the with the when the HHH Metrodome. Uh, the, the well, yeah, when that when that when that down. collapsed, that was one thing. But do you remember when uh, Florida? Was uh, it was like a huge storm warning right. or something yes, like that? Yes. And yes. the Buccaneers and the Dolphins, I think, were set to play in Week One. Yes. And instead of playing the game, they both had a bye week. Right. Yes. Right. And didn't they say, like, when did they play it? I think they played it when uh, they played it at some point later in the year. But they inst- they took the bye week in Week One. Yeah, I remember. Because that. they couldn't, they could, they had no place to play. So I mean, I get it, but. I mean, that would have been, uh, seriously, if that would have followed through, the entire football world would have erupted. It would have been something so insane. We would have been talking about that all week. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, they that's the play, news. They didn't play Tampa until, so week one, that was their game. They did not play Tampa. The Bucks and Dolphins didn't play each other until week uh, 11 on November 19th. Because they had the same bye week, I think, week right? Week one, yes. Well, yeah, but I think they had originally their bye week was week 11. Right, 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 yeah. So, all right, so there you go. All right, so that's the news. Interim Big J journalist Evan Mazza here on a Wii Sports Wednesday. All right, hopefully we have the issue fixed. We were working on it before. Uh, so I want to have the most well-rounded sports conversation Barry, in sports media. Do we have Barrington Grant? Barrington? 
Going once. Going, going twice. once. And do uh, do we not have him again? I think the feed is just. Ah, Jesus. Oh, well. All, All right. right. So we're going to have to figure that out. Barry, I hopefully Barry, we, we will, can. Barry, we will get you on tomorrow, Friday, once we have this issue. Yeah, hopefully we, we can. Hopefully we can get this figured out. We promise. Uh, all right. So uh, coming up next, uh, I was really hoping to get Barry on today because that was a. I, I love the conversations that, Bar- that uh, Barry and I have. Uh, Barrington Grant at U.S. Sports Pages. So uh, I want to go into next hour with this. So coming up next. Garrett Cole to the Yankees is not about what Garrett Cole's talent brings to the table. That's coming up next. It's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Hour number three. Here we go on a Wednesday. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Worldwide, SportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. It is good to have you in here on a Wednesday. Absolutely loaded today. Had winners and losers before. Uh, seriously, we've got a big hour number three. Uh, coming up in about 30 minutes uh, we play Is He Worth It every single Wednesday. Evan gives me a player and a number value. I have to f- tell you whether he is worth it or not. Evan, I have a feeling where you're going to start off with that segment today. It feels pretty. Is it, is it a Yankee? Is it, it a pitcher? Is it a new Yankee? Is, is it a new Yankee? Oh, is, it, it, is the Death Star fully operational or what? It is definitely. I, uh, actually, this was, now this is an interesting statistic that we saw. We just saw like a few seconds ago. So today, on December 11th, is the, uh, is the anniversary of the day the Yankees acquired John Carlos Stanton two years ago and took in that big contract. So, and now technically John Carlos Stanton, now technically Garrett Cole did sign on December 11th because he signed at midnight, but still pretty interesting that they, Garrett Cole and John Carlos Stanton literally signed yeah. like the same or close to yeah, the same Yeah, pretty day. much, right? Uh, all right, so we begin this morning with sunshine in New York. The wait is over. It is done. The Yankees have signed Garrett Cole to a nine-year, $324 million contract. That's $36 million per year. It's the largest contract for a pitcher in Major League history as far as both total dollars and AAV. I'm not kidding. The entire state of New York, with the exception of the less you know, valuable portion, you know who you are, is exploding. New York has new life today. And that's where I'm going to take this. The Yankees will win the World Series next year. And it isn't because of the talent they brought in with Garrett Cole. Every single player in that Yankees clubhouse will be playing with brand new motivation. Brand new. I talk all the time about culture and how the feeling in the room is. The L.A. Chargers are an example. They would improve drastically with a new coach, new quarterback, and a new running back. The, the new quarterback starts torching defense in practice, right? The, the new running back starts making people miss in the open field. You know, it suddenly makes the veteran guys have confidence. It does. The, look at these kids. <laughs> the, holy crow, these guys can play. They got something. And with that, 
the whole team then has something. Yankees players are going to shower Garrett Cole on the first day of spring training. They're going to watch him from afar and be just amazed by how much better he's going to make them. They're going to watch Garrett Cole pop a hundred into Gary Sanchez's glove, and they're going to say, "Oh wow, <laughs> this is this is this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun." Now, here's the thing: it instills new confidence in the organization from top to bottom. It does. Sometimes the way it affects your club internally is more important than the talent. The, the talent is just the cherry on top. And it isn't just a cherry. It's the best cherry in the world. We know what Garrett Cole will bring to the Yankees on the mound. But what he brings this organization goes far beyond that. Okay, this will resonate with the players like nothing else. It will. I'm, I imagine being a player for the Yankees this morning. You know that you had one big need to fill, starting pitching. And not even so much starting pitching, but an ace. You needed an ace that could feel that you could feel confident was going to get you a win every time he set foot on the field. And now you have it. How much more confident do you have in your team today? How much more do you love your front office? How many teammates did you text when you found out? Really? The culture is shifting in New York at an alarming rate, and it's incredible for them. I also want to bring this up because there is the argument that it's a massive contract, and down the, la- the line, the Yankees will regret this. That, that is a more than fair argument. You're not wrong. By the time the sixth, seventh, eighth year come along, he will be half as good as he is in the first three years of the deal. Not disputable. It happens with virtually every player, especially pitchers. But in sports, you have to evaluate where you are and what's important to you. This is where organizational awareness comes in. The Yankees know who they are and where they are. They can make this move because they understand that they can take this risk. They can. Look, they'll take a couple of bad years from Cole at the tail end if they can get a couple of great ones in the beginning. They'll trade off for that. This would have been a much more detrimental contract for the Angels than the Yankees. I want to bring that up. The Angels, even with Garrett Cole, would have been talking about how they were possibly a playoff team, not necessarily a bona fide World Series contender. Look, they've struggled to successfully build around Mike Trout for a while. They, they haven't had a great, uh, great farm system. Most of the signings they've made uh, haven't really worked out. The Angels, they just they run into some bad luck, right? They, look, and they're not afraid to spend money. They tried to buy into Josh Hamilton, and it didn't work. They bought into Albert Pujols. He's still there, but they never really got the MVP-level Albert Pujols. They spent a ton of money on C.J. Wilson. That never really worked out. They had that gigantic offseason where they were going to be the super team, and they, were, they weren't really better than anybody else. It really wasn't that – but that's baseball. They, but they would have been in a position to regret this deal more than the Yankees. The Yankees had one hole, 
and Garrett Cole filled it perfectly. Listen, ask yourself, would you take Garrett Cole if you were going to get three years out of him, three great years out of him, but also three not-so-great years at the back end? I would. It all depends on what's important to you. What's your philosophy? Are you comfortable going all-in, or do you want to remain conservative? I'll, listen, I'll take the former. I'll take the former. I've always said that being aggressive in sports usually works out. It works out overwhelmingly in baseball. The past number of World Series champions have all made huge splash moves to get them over the top. This was the move for the Yankees that will change everything. This is without a doubt an incredible signing for the Yankees this morning. And even if it isn't six years from now, I'll be okay with that. Tip of the cap to Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner for getting the deal done. Really, tip of the cap to them. The Yankees will go into next season with a rotation consisting of Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, James Paxton, and Masahiro Tanaka without a doubt. And with the fifth starter being either Domingo Herman or Jordan Montgomery or Davey Garcia, their number one prospect, or whoever. But they already have an incredible playoff rotation with a great lineup and a great bullpen. This is dangerous. The culture in New York changed this morning, and the energy alone will lift the Yankees to another level. It will. This is a phenomenal signing for the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole on a nine-year, $324 million contract, and the Yankees, they get Cole for Christmas, and they're happy about it. Three, three, two, one. I get it. All right, I'll stop. By the way, I, I, know, I know I'm it, terrible. By the way, just to say, someone's got to update that Wikipedia page because Garrett Cole still still in says a Yankee. So we got we got to update that. Someone's got someone's got to update that. You Yankee fans out there, go update that Wikipedia page. Put him as Garrett Cole, New York Yankee, not currently free agent, because then that makes people afraid and say, wait a minute, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. All right. But I, I do want to shift to this because this is another story that is really eating up the headlines. Uh, and listen, I, I understand where people are coming from because I understand the frustration. The reports are coming out that the New England Patriots have had a film crew at Cincinnati Bengals practice. And this is bad. This is absolutely terrible. They're cheating again. We caught them. The Patriots, they're cheaters. Okay. Slow down on this just for a second and bear with me. I understand where your concern is coming from. Now, it, this might be to my own fault, but I'm not really interested and whether the Patriots were actually cheating or not. If you want me to tell you what I think, I'd like to believe that they're not cheating. Okay, I'm going to buy into the fact that they're not cheating. Because I, I usually like to think optimistically about people. That whether that's to my own fault or nothing else, I like to be optimistic about people. I give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt. Okay, so I, I would like to believe that they are not cheating, the New England Patriots. And it, it might make me naive. I might be. Listen, I'm not saying I'm not. But I'd like to believe that they're not. So here's my big deal with this. This is less about, for me, 
whether or not New England cheated or not. It's about how it comes off. Okay, let's use this as an example. You, when you do something and it sticks with people, you do something that is, not take the garbage out, but if you ever committed a crime or did something really sweet or donated to a charity a large sum of money, you then have a reputation for that thing. Okay, if you donate to a charity, you're a giver. If you rob from a bank, you're a criminal, you're a burglar. Okay, if you, if you film somebody else's practices, you gain the reputation as a cheater. Okay, in a relationship, if you cheat once, your reputation is a cheater. Your girlfriend, fiance, whatever, husband, whatever, whenever you're out late, something's going to go through their mind. What if they're doing this? Oh, boy. And then you crack down on it, and then it usually gets messy and all of that stuff. It's unhealthy. I'm thinking about the New England Patriots today, and my reaction is, oh, what if they're cheating again? That's not really my reaction. My reaction is actually, how stupid are they? Who in their right mind in the New England Patriots organization thought it was a good idea to, well, I think, you know, we do this documentary called Do Your Job, and... And we, um, we need to send a camera crew to the practice of the team that, that we're playing this week. And, and it, who in the world thought that was a good idea? Really? Sir, if I rob a bank tomorrow and I go to jail, I do my time, I go back 20 years later into a bank, I, and I'm not planning to rob it, but I'm making a withdrawal, I'm making a deposit, whatever it is, I'm setting up an account. The people that know my face are going to say, uh, I'm going to leave the bank now. <laughs> I'm not getting stuck in this mess. He might rob it again. And that's nobody else's fault but my own. I gave myself that reputation. Okay? If I say something racist on the air, I might not be one, and I might be able to be on the air somewhere else. But don't you think that whenever anybody else listens to me, they're afraid, oh, boy, what if he says something testy? I mean... I created the reputation for myself. It's nobody else's fault. So think about this. Did New England really believe, did the Patriots really believe that if they sent a camera crew to Cincinnati, that they weren't going to get questioned about this? That the NFL wasn't going to get involved? Of course they are. They gained the reputation of doing this because they've done it before. Okay? They were caught on film uh, recording somebody's practice. They were caught deflating footballs. Tom Brady was caught because he destroyed his cell phone. I mean, the Patriots have given themselves this reputation. So whether they did cheat or not, it doesn't really matter. Why in the world would you do this to yourself? Why would you attract this attention? Who thought that this was going to be a good idea in your organization? Seriously. Whoever did, (laughs) you might have to reevaluate their position today. Because that's bad. And Bill Belichick is swearing up and down. Listen, this is a completely separate entity. I have no idea what's going on here. I, I have nothing to do with whatever they're doing. Whatever. And I'd like to believe him. But there is that little inkling in my head that says, is it dumb for me to believe you? And it isn't my fault. It isn't the media's fault that they're bringing this out. It's New England's. The fact that they did this, and whether they're cheating or not, you can't blame us for our minds going this way. It would go like this in anything else in life. 
So, listen, I'd like to believe that New England is not cheating, but, again, we don't know. Oh, we don't know. If I had my humble opinion, I'd say they're not cheating. But I could be wrong on that, and they put themselves in a position where you have to question their integrity again. We have to have this conversation again. It's just not a conversation that New England wants to have today. Okay, uh, coming up next, we still got plenty to go over. We play the game, Is He Worth It? at the end of the show today. That is coming up next. It's the Haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Nick, I'm telling you, if you bet that game, you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind if you bet the Jets this weekend. I'm sorry, on Thursday. It doesn't matter if it's 14 and a half points. Doesn't matter. I mean, Thursday night games. It is. Nope. Sorry. Thursday night games are always tricky to bet because you never know what's going to happen. Like, they're, I mean. Yeah, short week. It's a short short week week. for the Jets, too, bud. Short week for the Jets. Listen, look. And especially if you don't have have Jamal Adams or, I mean. Is he out? He's a game time decision. He's a game time decision. So Jamal, I mean Jamal might be a game time decision, but mm-hmm. what's his name? Uh, the quarterback for Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, he says he, yeah. he says he's playing. Jackson says he's playing. He's Ronnie, playing? he says he's playing. His hamstrings too. We'll see. Ohio. He says he's playing. Tell you, it's a trap game. Don't bet it. Ronnie, you Stanley. will lose money. There are way more ways to lose money than win money. I'm telling you right now. Don't do it. All Ron, right. Ronnie Stanley might be the guy that might be out for the Ravens. I don't know if he's pricing today, but he might be the guy. The Jets out. don't have the pass rushers to take advantage of that anyway. I, I get the only one they have is Jordan so, Jenkins. That's really that's and, right. And, that's and, and right. Henry Anderson up the middle. That's pretty much it. That's all they've got. So, all right, let's go to the news. Interim Big J journalist Devin Mazier on a Wednesday. All right, so I want to talk more about the Knicks. Actually, not about the Knicks. We'll get to the Knicks in a second or something that revolves around the Knicks. Well, let's get to tonight. Kawhi Leonard makes his return to Toronto uh, tonight. Clippers, Clippers, Raptors. He said tonight. He said it was a hard choice to make to leave Toronto. It was a hard choice to make, and he actually said that he expects to be booed today. He actually, well, not not like not before the game, but he expects at some point in the game to be booed. He said he thinks there will be some cheers, but he do thinks it mostly be there will mostly be boos because he's the opposing player on the team. I think this is going to be. I think Toronto's going to be a loud ovation for him. Obviously, as the game goes on, he's scoring a lot of points. Yeah, yeah that's one of those situations where, like, yeah, but fans are going to be disappointed that um, fans are going to be disappointed that he didn't go back to Toronto in free agency. But, but they have to be grateful for one year bringing them to, a championship. That's it, it, it. May have been one year, but the dude was. It was the dude, best year in their the, history. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. It, Kawhi Leonard brought them so much happiness that year. I, I mean, you can't. You can't be upset about that. You can't. Seriously, I, uh, Toronto, and I think it's going to happen. Uh, you, uh, you and I, I think are on the same page. Kawhi Leonard is going to get a gigantic ovation. Oh, absolutely! In his return to Toronto, he, he, a he, gigantic he, ovation. And I listen. I'll say this: I think Kawhi could get emotional. Believe me, this. Like, I, I, I don't think Kawhi regrets his decision to go to the Clippers at all. It's not about that. But you couldn't tell me that he doesn't have a soft spot for Toronto. He loved being there. Admit it. Like, he's got, like, Kawhi Leonard, it, like, you could tell that he had this infatuation with Toronto while he was there. 
Okay, I don't think it was an easy decision for him to leave it. That he ultimately made that decision and take what you want with that. But Kawhi Leonard is going to get a huge ovation tonight. Huge. Oh, and he should. He absolutely should. And yes, yeah, the game goes off. He's scoring like 25, 30, and yeah, the game is tight. Yeah, then you'll probably get maybe a little, you'll probably get some boost because again, it's a it's a competitive game. It's two good teams going at it. But yeah, he, he should get a lot of ovation tonight. He should get a lot of ovation tonight. The, I would have liked to see Corano st- to, uh, Kawhi stay in Toronto. Right. Because I would have liked to have seen a guy like him stay with the Raptors. Yes. But, you know, and I I felt that was his, that was like his home. He made a new home there. But he's he's in L.A. He should get a new nice ovation there. And Toronto's doing great. Toronto's playing tremendous, tremendous, with, uh, uh, despite him. Pasco Siakam's playing great. So tonight should be a great night for Kawhi Leonard. And for and for the Raptors organization, too. For both for both of them. Right. So speaking of the Raptors, and it also should be a great game tonight. Really should be. A really great should game, be. Yeah. I, Toronto, I think, could very easily win that basketball game. Seriously, I, how do you think the feeling of the building is going to be if? Oh, it's going to be emotional. Toronto wins the basketball game without Kawhi. Seriously, oh, like, what do you think emotional. the feeling of that ba- building is going to be? Oh, they're they're going to play. The Raptors will play this game like it's an NBA Finals game. They're gonna they're gonna want to they're gonna want to you know try to win this game and prove that they're still. Again, they're a legit contender. And also, yeah, beat Kawhi. Sure, they want to beat Kawhi. Absolutely. And Kawhi is going to want to try to go out there and beat his former team. It's going to be an emotional night in Toronto. It's going to be a big, big night. Uh, So speaking of the Raptors, and uh, and it does involve the Knicks for a little bit, uh, Raptors chairman Larry Tenenbaum said they have no plans to part ways with team president Masai Ujiri. Obviously, rumors are are going around that the Knicks are looking at uh, getting him to be their new uh, president of the team and GM. Uh, Tannenbaum said he is the best, but no team can talk to him. That's tampering, and every owner knows that. Messiah is here to stay. The Raptors have, however, the Raptors haven't spoken to him about a contract extension as of yet. I mean, Masai Ujiri's not going anywhere. The, like, why do people think that he's available? He's not going anywhere. Knicks, the Knicks. The, I mean, c- but come on now. Like, why would Masai Ujiri go to that mess? He, look, he's got it made in Toronto today. He does. He's got a good roster. I mean, seriously, like, the only reason Masai Ujiri would ever leave is if the Raptors started going in the tank, his contract is up, and he says, you know what, I want to move on to another opportunity. Masai Ujiri is not available right now. He's just not. He's under contract. He's in a good situation. He's beloved there in the city. He brought them a championship as a general manager. I mean, seriously, who in their right mind, other than Masai Ujiri, thought that trading DeMar DeRozan, who's one of the most beloved players in your history, trading DeMar DeRozan, trading draft picks, trading Jakob Pertle, all to San Antonio for Kawhi Leonard, who didn't play 10 games the season before. Who would have thought that was a good idea? Nobody. Except for Masai Ujiri. Well, he saw, and again, this this wasn't a, he made this move. It wasn't a ticket to Mar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan did so much for the Raptors franchise. Right. This was a, I have an opportunity to go win a title. Kawhi's available. He did it before with the Spurs. I got to do it. Like, I got I to gotta do this now. And my, my team is really good. We've been getting beat by LeBron James year after yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to make this move now. I got to do it now. And he did. I give him a lot of credit for making a move like that. Because it was it was risky. It was because you were taking away a franchise player, but you're also bringing in a guy with championship experience and a guy who's one of the top five, top three basketball players in the game. Maybe maybe Kawhi is the best. We can we can make you can make a case he is the best. And it paid off. It was only one year, 
but it pay off in a title. It's almost like with, it's almost like with Garrett Cole. If Garrett Cole's nine-year deal, if he's only great for three or four years of the deal, but he went, but you win a title or two, maybe, then it's well worth it, right? Right. So Kawhi, after one year, he got you a title, so it was well worth it. And Masai yeah. Ujiri, so and it like, sucks that you lost DeRozan, but yeah, were they talking about trading to get him back? Didn't they want to get Demar Derozan back? They were they were looking. At they it, were looking yeah. at they it, but I don't think they could make yeah. it happen. Nah, it would have been tough. But again, again. So, but look at the Raptors now without Kawhi, without Derozan, and they're still and they're sixteen and seven. They're playing great basketball. They're 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 right there again as one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. They're playing really well. You know, that's just a team filled with good talent, and Masai Ujiri's been a huge part of it. Would Masai leave? It would take a giant opportunity, like a big opportunity to go and say, you know what, I want to try something else. Is the Knicks that opportunity? I don't know. I, I don't know. He would certainly go there to build to build something there like he's built with the Raptors. But I don't know. Would he want to go to the Knicks? That's a lot to take in. He has to understand that's a lot to take in. Right. So. No, it is. Speaking of GM roles, Ooh. Troy Aikman. So Troy Aikman said that uh, he's been a really, really strange time trying to figure. He said well, he's attempted doing the game multiple occasions as part of his job as Fox League game color commentator. If he were ever able to leave such a role as color commentator for something more challenging, he could see his next destination existing somewhere within the NFL uh, as a possible GM. Just not with the Dallas Cowboys. He was asked I mean, by. I, he would, was asked I by, would be really surprised if Troy Aikman ever became a GM. I mean, he's got it made in broadcasting right now. Seriously, he's the prime Fox color commentator. He does every game with Joe Buck. I mean, it, I mean. Now here's why he says he's got it made. Troy Aikman's probably making a ton of money at here, Fox. Why would he leave? Here's why he said no, no to the Cowboys. And he was asked by a uh, he was asked by one three one three ten the ticket in Dallas if he could envision himself taking a player personnel role in the Cowboys front office. Here's his reason. Jerry Jones. He said citing Jerry Jones being real stubborn and steadfast, and that he's the one in charge. Aikman said, I think in a lot of ways, until that changes, this team's going to have some problems. So that's one of the reasons why he wouldn't take a job in Dallas as a front office role. Right. I mean, I don't think he would want that pressure, but like I said, he's got it made in broadcasting. Why would he want to leave? Why would Troy Aikman ever leave that job? Well, it's like with Tony Romo, right? We, we, we yeah, Tony Romo's got to make... Like, well, we've I would love to see Tony Romo coach the Cowboys because well, I, be, I think it'd be really entertaining. Well, but why would he leave? Why would he leave? Because he does every game with Jim Nance. He's got the prime CBS spot. I mean, that's... Come on. <laughs> Tony Romo's got it made in broadcasting. Troy Aikman's got it made in broadcasting. Like, the only guy that could go from broadcasting to coaching and not think twice about it is Gruden. Because Gruden could go back to broadcasting tomorrow. Well, Gruden also had experience as a head coach, too. Right, exactly. Troy Aikman's never had experience as a coach. Or Tony GM. Romo's never had experience as a coach or GM. Right, right, exactly. So it makes no sense for them to leave. And that's a, They've and that's, got it absolutely made in the broadcasting field. And that's a lot to do, though. You're you're going you're going into a GM And they're both role. really good broadcasters. Yeah. Oh, Romo, Romo's just the best. Romo's, Romo's, Romo's incredible, best. but Troy Aikman's really good at his job, too. Aikman, Aikman is... Aikman... Speaks his mind. Uh, I'll say about Aikman. He he's not. He he speaks his mind. He he, he whatever is out, whatever he feels, he he says it. Yeah, you know, I do, and I like. I do. I do think that. I know. I know the combo between him and Joe Buck get a lot of get a lot of uh, criticism, but I don't mind them. And they're actually going to call the game tomorrow, but I don't mind them. I think I think they do a decent job. But it, it, that's hard. It's hard to go from a broadcasting job to a job to a spot you haven't done. Not, 
Tony Romo's never been a head coach. That'd be such a hard thing to do to be a head coach and holding and trying to do trying to control players in the locker room, keeping keeping everything cool and calm in tough times, not letting things get out of hand. For Troy, it's player personnel, scouting. You're the GM. You have to do personnel, scouting, figuring out what's right and what's wrong, figuring out what you want to do for your system, figure out what you want to do for your team. That's a lot of work. So if Troy ever thought about it, it that, that's a lot of, again, that's a lot of work. He would, again, I think you'd have to start somewhere first before ever getting a GM, before getting a GM job. He can't get a GM job, obviously, immediately. That'd be too risky. Right. All right. That's the news. Interim Big J journalist, Evan Mazza, on a Wednesday. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Absolutely loaded today. We had a great show. Garrett Cole's a Yankee. I love it. Absolutely love it. it that puts Evan, that puts him over the top, right? Like, Garrett Cole to the Yankees is just stupid. <laughs> like, it's stupid. Come on. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. I mean, think they are now they have one of the best rotations in Major League Baseball. They do. Cole, Severino, Paxton, Tanaka is almost as good as you're going to find in Major League Baseball. Seriously. And I, and, who's, well, got a ba- who's better? Who has a better rotation right now? Who's got a better rotation? Yeah. Like, who's better? All right. Well, I think you still need – I think you need consistency still at least Severino. I think we still need to see – he needs to Yeah, he's got to stay healthy and everything like that. Too. I'm sure. Yes. Yes. Tanaka – boy, he, he, Tanaka's interesting. He's a really good – he's a really good post-big game, post-season pitcher. Like, that's what I love about Tanaka. But in the regular season, there is he needs to be – again, regular season, he still needs to be a bit more consistent. Paxton, you got to get more out of him. I think Paxton, I think, had a, what, he had a better second half than the first half, right, I believe, with the Yankees? Paxton? Yeah. So you, you got to – Paxton had a great second half. Yeah, so, so. he needs – so, again, which is a good sign, which is a good sign next year if he puts it together. Uh, that's, 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 that's very, very good for the rotation. I don't know if they have the best rotational baseball, but it's again though. But with with Garrett Cole, it makes the rotation dangerous because you now have that ace on the mound. Yeah, and Sevy can go out there and not have to worry about being a Sevy can just go out there and be Sevy. Tanaka just go out there and be Tanaka. You're putting pressure off these guys, and they can just go and pitch. Severino at his best is really good. That's why it's great. That's why you really want to see him get back to his form because at his best, he's really good. Severino, right. he can be, he has that ace material, ace stuff, but now he doesn't have to be it. With Cole there, he doesn't have to be there. He doesn't have to be an ace. He can just pitch. He doesn't have to worry about going out there in a game one or a big game in a series and regular season, postseason, whatever. He can just pitch because Garrett Cole is right there, right there in front of him. You know. Here's the New York Yankees. <laughs> The Death Star. The Death Star has struck. The Death Star has struck. There you go. The Death Star has struck. The Death Star. The fully operational battle station struck last night at, at midnight. Like you talk, you talk about striking. They struck the deal at oh, past it. midnight. That is as ominous and as Yankee-like as I've ever seen. Yes. And yes. Good, hey, and good on them. At I mean, midnight. Good on, oh. At midnight, the Yankees. I see Yankees land Cole. I'm like, yes. What were you doing? That is crazy. That, I, I don't well, want. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it on the air. I don't want to tell you. All right. I don't want to tell the public. It's all right. embarrassing. All 
<laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think it's. I will keep I don't that secret a, for a different day. I don't think it's embarrassing at all. But I okay. think it's embarrassing. You think it's? Uh, it is definitely it's embarrassing. embarrassing. Okay. It's embarrassing for me. It, okay. I don't it's think it's embarrassing. A, you know, when you tell on the air, it's not. I'm telling you, it's not going to sound embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. I was watching something that, and no, don't for all of you sickos, don't get a, the idea in your head that it was this. No. no. Well, but I was watching it something. It also that wasn't. It also pre- wasn't. It also wasn't Ron Burgundy. That people my age probably should not be watching for entertainment. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just going to tell you. It's not gonna embarrassing. Leave it I, I, it's not embarrassing. It's, gonna a leave show, it. it's, a, it's a show that was popular. I'm just saying. It's, it's not embarrassing. That's right. But I, and I, I will say this about Garrett Cole. As a Mets fan, now i got to hear all year, Cole versus DeGrom, Cole versus DeGrom, Cole versus DeGrom, Cole versus DeGrom. And I'm going to be like, oh, oh gosh. Help, help me. I'm going I'm to hear that for months and months and months and years and years. DeGrom versus Cole. DeGrom versus Cole. DeGrom versus Cole. Who's better? Who's the best pitcher in New York? I don't know. I don't know. They're both really good. That, 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 I'll, still, I'll still say Jacob DeGrom. I'll throw it out there and say Jacob DeGrom. But, I don't know. They're both really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So, let's, let's do it. Let's play it. Is he worth it? Evan gives me a player and a number of value. I got to tell you if that player is worth it or not. Evan, here we go. Just go for it. You know who's first. <sighs> Come on. Well, you, know. you got you to preface it first. I actually, I don't know who you're talking about. Garrett Cole. Nine years, 324, $324 million. Highest AAV ever. Is he worth it? Yes. Garrett Cole is worth it. The past two seasons have been impeccable for him. Last year, I listen, I don't really care if Justin Verlander won the AL Cy Young. Garrett Cole... The regular season, including his playoff performance, was the best pitcher in all of baseball last year. And the Yankees got him. They got him to fill a need. I think he's absolutely worth it for the Yankees. I'm in. I'm in. I think Garrett Cole is absolutely worth it. He's going to be, like I said, once you get a World Series title out of him, that's that's what's going to be worth it. That's that's what's going to be worth it. You get a World Series title out of him or two, he's so vital. He's so vital to that. It'll be well worth it. Steven Strasburg, the other one, seven years, $245 million deal from the Washington Nationals. He's go, he goes back to Washington. His AAV is $35 million. Strasburg, as John Heyman put it, was king for a day. And then Garrett Cole got his contract. So for the Nationals, will, Darryl, will Steven Strasburg be worth it? Uh, yes, I do believe that he is worth it. And, and as crazy as that sounds, because I, I, I get... I get that people are going to say, oh, the injuries, the Tommy John, all of that stuff. Listen, Steven Strasburg, with as well as he pitched, that game six performance in the World Series for Steven Strasburg, I mean, that alone made him $35 million a year. I mean, when healthy, he's one of the top ten pitchers in the entire entire league. Steven Strasburg is absolutely worth it. Without question, it's actually scary how much money the Nationals are investing in their rotation. Seriously, if you look at total Scherzer, dollars, Strasburg. Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, they uh, those contracts equal out to over $500 million in total value. In total dollars, that's how much it is. That Every year, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you I didn't do the math, but... Uh, that's going to be up there, too. They are eating a lot of money with those three pitchers in the rotation. And it's worth it. Uh, listen, the Nationals have a great rotation. They do. Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, it's part of the reason they won the World Series. 
paid up for Corbin, you paid up for... And I think another big reason why it was good for them to get Strasburg back is... Is... You, you do worry about Strasburg's health, you do, you do worry about his injury history. But Max Scherzer is... It, Max Scherzer's back and his neck injury that half that he suffered... That's also something to worry about. You know, I, how, how healthy is he going to be going the next season as he gets... Especially as he gets older. So... Bringing back Strasburg, I think that's big. It's big enough also for that reason alone. So, but he's, but again, that that rotation with Scherzer, Strasburg, and and Corbin. Now that's locked up. Not saying they're gonna win the World Series again or make or go to the NLCS, but it, it makes it good enough to keep contending. Didi Gregorius, your personal favorite. One year, $18 million for the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, it hurts know. so it hurts. bad. He's a, great, he's a really good player. And the Phillies, I think the Phillies got a good one. So is he worth it? One year, 14, yes. Didi, uh, listen, Didi, Didi is worth all of his money in gold. Seriously, it, Didi Gregorius, as much respect I have for this guy, really, he's got it. I represented everything of what your team should be. Great character guy, great locker room guy. He's great in big moments. He's an outstanding defensive shortstop. One of the most reliable guys that you can play, that you can pay. In my opinion, $14 million a year is a bargain for Didi Gregorius. He's absolutely worth that. Alex Avila, one year, $4 million to the Minnesota Twins. Is he worth it? God, Alex, I can't believe Alex Avila is still playing. Seriously, and he's only 32, which is amazing to me. It feels like, I feel like he's 42. But I would say so, yeah. And for four million bucks, he's a solid backup catcher. He's not terrible defensively. I mean, he's a good left-handed stick. I would say so, yeah. For four million bucks, yeah, why not on Alex Avila? Jordan Lyle signed with the Texas Rangers. Two years, $16 million contract, AAV of $8 million. Is he worth it? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess, but listen, I, I've never been a Jordan Lyles guy. He had a 4.15 ERA last year out of the pen. Um, actually, he started all of his games. I, I mean, I guess so, right? I mean, it's not terrible. For eight million bucks, I guess, why not take a flyer? It's not, not a huge deal. I'm in on that. Michael Pineda brought back to the Minnesota Twins for a two-year, $20 million deal. Is he worth it, Michael Pineda? I actually don't think so. I think Michael Pineda got a little too much money. Now, two-year deal is a little bit risky. He spent a lot of time hurt. When he came back this year, he was pretty much just average, only a 4.01 ERA. I mean, ever since he got traded from Seattle to the Yankees, he just wasn't the same pitcher. Now, he has his moments where he is just absolutely dominant and he gives you those starts where he just is unhittable. He's making 10, he's making 10 million. 10 million a year is a lot for Michael Pineda. He hasn't pitched a lot. I, I don't know. I, that's a lot of money for Pineda. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have given him that money. So this one's not really more of a contract because he's got a contract coming up in a few years. But the Chicago White Sox traded for Nomar Mazzara for the Texas Rangers. Uh, he yeah, that happened like right after the Cole contract. Is, yeah. a, is the White Sox traded for Nomar Mazzara? Yeah. So is Nomar worth it for the Chicago White Sox? He is not a free agent right now. He's making about three million. His he doesn't he's, he's not a free agent until 2022. He's got one more year of arbitration, five million base salary. So for the White Sox, will it be worth it for them down the line? Um, I mean, I mean, he's definitely worth it now. I mean, he's going to hit over 20 home runs. He could probably get over 30. He's got absurd power. Uh, and he's not terrible defensively. Uh, the only thing about him that I don't love is that he strikes out a good amount of times. But, uh, I mean, 
for three million bucks, he's absolutely worth that. It all depends on how much he makes going forward. I don't think he's going to be a high-priced outfielder. I just don't believe that. But he's still a young guy. He's only 24 years old. But right now, Nomar Mazzara is absolutely worth it. Sterling Marte and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Rumors of him possibly being traded to the Mets. Uh, for Brandon Nimmo and maybe some more maybe some more players, but right now it seems like Brandon Nimmo seems to be the focus of that contract. So first we'll start with Sterling Marte. He signed a six-year, $31 million deal for the Pirates. He currently has an AAV of $5 million. Will he be where he's a free agent at the end of the 2021 season, so he's got two years left. Is he worth it for the Mets or any other team looking to trade for him? I really do. Like, I, look, I'm not huge on Starling Marte. I know he had that one thing uh, going on with the, uh, with the PEDs and everything like that. I get yeah. that. But the guy hit 295 last year. He had 23 homers. He's fast as hell. He's great defensively. He gets on base. I mean, Starling Marte is a good player. He's a real good player. I think he's a difference maker for anybody that gets him. I, I like Starling Marte, and for five million dollars, five million, the guy's probably worth twenty. I mean, you're getting a quarter of, you're only paying a quarter of his real value. I'm, yeah, I'm in on that. Absolutely. All right, give me two more. All right, so the other guy in that deal who could possibly go, Brandon Nimmo of the Mets and Pirates, get that deal done. Brandon Nimmo. Currently, he's not making any, not making much. Average salary of $1,700,000. He's got two more years of arbitration before he hits free agency. So, And free agency will actually be his age 30 season. He's 27 right now. So for the Pirates or any team, is Brandon Nimmo worth it? I mean, it depends on for what. I mean, uh, for, for his, like, million dollars now? I guess down the line. I'm gonna say down the line for him. For how much down the line, though? That's the thing. Is like for a million bucks, he's absolutely oh, worth it. But, but if I mean, if you're asking me if I pay him 15, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I Nimmo hasn't proven that he's a long-term answer in the outfield yet. I don't think you can give him a big contract yet. He's an on-base guy. I, I think he's look. I, I think he's a real nice player, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, Brandon Nimmo to me, not not the uh, I, I don't know, not a long-term answer for me yet. All right, give me one more. All right, so let's go, Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner. Oh, here we go. Dodgers and Twins going for him. Uh, he's looking at John Hayden reported that he's. Probably going to get over $100 million or right at the $100 million range. So for the Twins and Dodgers in that range, is he worth it for Mass for Ma to get Massive Bumgarner? I think it is. I do. I would give Mad Bum a lot of money. I'd give Mad Bum over $100 million. Now listen, I, I, I do not think he's the same pitcher he used to be. He's got a lot of miles on his arm. He's only 30 years old, but he's thrown for, I mean, he's thrown a million innings. Uh, he's thrown over 1,800 innings in his career. I mean, that's just a lot. So I would say he is worth it based on his postseason performance. I'd give him $100 million. He's still probably a number two starter at this point. Not an ace anymore, but Mad Bum, yeah, I, I would say he's worth it, yes. All right, so that's Is He Worth It. We do it every single Wednesday here in the Haystack. We do. We get great be uh, feedback on it. Again, big story today. Garrett Cole is now a New York Yankee. All right, but that does it for us. Evan Maz and my producer, I'm Mike Guido. This is the Haystack, and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network will be back tomorrow. We'll see ya. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.